Hi everyone, it's me again, Yamila, your NNLM Discovery host. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to encourage you to take a short anonymous survey about our podcast. To help improve our show, we want to hear more from you, our listeners. Go to nnlm.gov, click on our podcast page, and you'll find a link to our survey. We can't wait to hear from you. I'm librarian Yamila Alkaya, and this is NNLM Discovery, a podcast from the Network of the National Library of Medicine. This podcast series explores how NNLM is improving the public's health by communicating in new ways. Today's episode is Mindful Eating for the Beloved Community, a story from Region 2. Grant recipient and regional advisory board member for Region 2, Alex Askew, will be joining us today. Hi there, Chef Alex. Hey, how you doing, Yamila? I'm doing well. So I've been told that this grant has been a labor of love for you, especially as a chef. Let's start with why you're so passionate about this story. Well, I believe love is food and food is love. And I started very early uh, when I was 14, actually cooking uh, for a private family uh, when I was in high school. And at age 15, lied about my age so I could work in the big restaurants and see what was really happening Uh, in the food scene. So for many, many years of most of my life, food has always been my passion. Um, In in my journey throughout communities, I looked at our food system and uh, came up and created a framework called Mindful Eating for the Beloved Community that was based on Martin Luther King Jr.'s global vision in which all people can share in the wealth of the earth. And he was absolutely... um, very, very adamant about poverty, hunger, and homelessness not being tolerated. I have the audacity to believe that peoples everywhere can have three meals a day for their bodies, education and culture for their minds, and dignity, equality, and freedom for their spirits. Wow, I love this. That's such an important goal that's still not realized. 55 years after his death. How do you approach such a large undertaking? Well, I'll ask you this. How do you uh, eat an elephant? Um, I'm really not sure how. Well, the answer there is one bite at a time. That's how we tackle these big issues. All our small bites add up to connect the dots. And to me, the biggest thing is awareness. You know, our food system the most important system on this planet, in my opinion, is on fire. And most of the people are just watching it burn, not even realizing it's on fire. So we need to activate those that can be our firemen and firewomen for food justice in our communities. I think I'm one of those people not seeing the fire, Alex. Let's expose those flames today. What is your program all about? Well, I started Mindful Eating for the Beloved Community by collecting essays from influential culinary chefs, farmers, agriculturalists, and leaders in the food system who wrote short essays that were very contemplative about where we are in our food system connected to our communities. You know, the goal was to tell the stories of not only what is broken in our food system, but more importantly, how to address and correct those problems. 
by rebuilding our food system that works for everyone, especially the most vulnerable. And that is in line with Martin Luther King Jr.'s vision. I can see that. So how does NNLM fit into this? And what's the connection? Well, I think the correlation, the connection is that food is medicine. You know, food is the largest legal drug that is available to to everyone. I mean, if you're eight years old, you can go into a fast food restaurant and order eight hamburgers. Obviously, that would be problematic to your cardiovascular system if you kept that up. So being mindful about what we put into our bodies and mindful eating is this concept of integrating this awareness, integrating healthy eating habits, and reacting and responding on an individual level, a family level, and a community level. And keep in mind that a lot of illnesses that are in our community today are diet-related. So with this concept of mindful eating, we're able to give people the tools to make better choices, to make healthier choices. So it was natural that this NNLM grant was going to be a perfect resource and they would be a perfect partner for this project. My goal with this grant was to expand health literacy and mindful eating throughout the Virgin Islands. So, Yamila, what do you know about the Virgin Islands? Um, I know they're in the Caribbean. We did do a short story about the islands last season, so I know they get hit by natural disasters quite a bit. But that's about all I know. So I have a relationship through Puerto Rico. Um, I have property there for almost 20 years. I married a Puerto Rican who reminds me that I'm not Puerto Rican. But I do have a son who's half Puerto Rican, which is my family connection to that island. And Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands serve as the territories of the United States. They're actually part of the United States. Uh, To give you an example, let's kick off this story. So I talked to the USVI culinary ambassador, Chef Ralph Moto, whose family has been living on St. Croix for six generations. And he explained what their community's food system is really like. So it's, it's a beautiful place to live, but the cost of living is so extreme that the majority of the population lives in poverty and relies on federal dollars for sustenance. And that comes with its limitations. You know, there's only but so much you could buy with a WIC or a welfare card, um, which leaves out the ability to access foods from local farms or local farmers that's sustainably grown, that's nourishing for the body. Um, and you see it not just on St. Croix, but throughout the Virgin Islands in general. Um, the poverty line is so high that you just don't have a lot of communities that have access to healthy, green, fresh, organic vegetables. So St. Croix, the island we visited, is very different than St. Thomas and St. John. Because it's flat, the climate is warm, there's regular rain, the ground is fertile, it makes it a perfect area for farming. But hardly any food is locally sourced. And this leads to some very serious health concerns. The USVI has one of the highest morbidity rates for dietary issues like heart disease, obesity, and diabetes. Let's, let's listen to Sarah Dahl-Smith, who partnered with us on this effort and runs a 4-H Healthy Habits program at the University of the Virgin Islands. Let's take a listen to Sarah as she explains the issues around food access on the islands. Let me start by saying that the Virgin Islands imports over 97% of what we eat. 
So let's start there. Um, are we making efforts? Do we have supermarkets that are readily accessible? Yes. Do we have fresh produce that's readily accessible? That's a little bit more iffy. Do we have an effort afoot with local producers and farmers coming online to try and impact and maybe make a dent in that and actually produce more of the food that we eat? Yes. But access is an issue. Access to fresh produce is an issue. Wait a minute. 97% of the food is imported? That's pretty crazy. Well, think about 97% of your food being cut off by a natural disaster. Um, That's even crazier. Wow. I don't think I even want to. That's not a good system. You know, like Sarah mentioned, there are efforts in the community to fix the problem. And everyone realizes that it starts with the farm. And that's where I started my journey as well. By visiting Sager Farms. And this farm, I got to be honest with you, is such an experience, was such an experience for me. Because it was all about food sovereignty. Running a farmer's market, collecting produce from one farmer and connecting one farmer with another around the island. Selling, selling to shops, getting it into the food system, local produce, and helping build the resurgence of agriculture by providing education, training, and resources to other farmers that were desperately in need. You know, I talked to Yvette Brown, one of the co-founders of Sager Farms, and she described the challenges of the food system while I had time to spin there and tour in the grounds. Everything starts with food. Um, whether you're human or animal, everything starts with food. So the food system, for me, is the most important thing. One of our biggest issues in the Virgin Islands is we don't have a food system in place. And when I say a food system, we talk about food sovereignty and food security. Every time we are impacted by a major storm, we realize our weakness. We have to wait until the planes can fly in and bring the necessary food we need to continue until we are back up on our feet. Mm. But how can you have a, system, a, 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 a nation, you have all the knowledge of all these different capacities, but you can't feed yourself. Mm -hmm. If you can't feed yourself, you have no power. Correct. You have nothing. At the end of the day, you, ha you have to answer to someone for you to get your food. Mm. Sounds like a form of slavery. Wow, chef, that's really powerful. If that doesn't wake you up to see the fire, I'm not sure what will. I now understand the problem. So what is your program, Mindful Eating for the Beloved Community, doing? So let's build some context first. You know, first we needed to really get as much information as possible. And we talked to people like Yvette to understand the challenges that they face on the islands and to hear their overall vision of how they see agriculture and farming supporting community wellness. The second thing that we did was we had the great opportunity to do a food educational training at the University of Virgin Islands with young people who wanted to be community health ambassadors. So we partnered with Sarah's 4-H Healthy Habits Program and we ran multiple classes, both virtually and in person, about the essence of mindful eating with 32 student ambassadors. What else are we clapping for? Good health. What else are we clapping for in this table? Positivity. And keep in mind, these ambassadors are being trained to be teachers of the community and will be responsible for educating their family members and even mentor younger children. Their goal 
is to reach out to 2,700 kids, age 8 to 12, across the Virgin Island territories. And then lastly, we share the mindful meal. How you cut vegetables makes a huge difference in what your end product looks like. When it's caramelizing, you want to make sure that you scrape the bottom. That's where all that flavor is. You pulse it. When you pulse it, it doesn't turn into mush. So we were able to get in the kitchen and cook, talk about food ingredients, and have this full activity centered around planning the menu, preparing the food, working with the students, meeting them where they are about food ingredients, educating them about ingredients they didn't know. And all of these elements of mindful eating and the beloved community came together in an integrated training session. We had the opportunity to break bread and share this mindful meal together while discussing food in a very intentional way. What is the local cuisine of the Virgin Islands? I guess I don't really understand what you're pivoting from with this training and mindful meal. That's a fantastic question, Yamila. Here's another interview clip with culinary ambassador, Chef Ralph Moto, who explains the cuisine of their culture and why it's been historically unhealthy for the community. Our culture, which is so rich, and our history and our traditions, which we love, all stem from these islands being part of the slave trade. And a lot of people don't think on it, but the food that we know and love came from these melting pots that the slaves would develop at the end of a day after they pick up the scraps from the masters. And so it's usually the worst parts of the animal or the plant or whatever the produce may be um, that's now being thrown in a pot and cooked for hours on hours on hours with a lot of seasonings and other things to try to make it taste good. Uh, and so here today, 100, 200, 300 years later, you've still got people creating those similar recipes and using the same cuts of meat that the recipes call for, which are oftentimes more than none like salted pigtail or salted pig's feet things that are cured in so much sodium no matter how long you boil it or wash it it would never be healthy for you um, and so understanding that you could pivot that into a more modern way of eating and then applying that to the knowledge we have today on how the body works and how genetics work um, is very important especially like today Okay, I definitely get why this program is so important to the health and well-being of the islands and why it's a perfect fit for NNLM. So when you were in the kitchen with the kids making your mindful meal, what did you guys make? So when we developed the menu, uh, we wanted to be aware of local ingredients. And this, you know, this wasn't the place or time to introduce new ingredients or foreign ingredients. So on that note, Buying and, and really sourcing local ingredients were the basis for the menu creation. And second to that, you know, we wanted to really look at creating these recipes that would have a health influence. Uh, you know, take for example, beignet, which is a fried bread. You know, we took the fried dough pastry and we created a cookie out of the same ingredients. So instead of frying, we were baking. And the kids were familiar with those flavor profiles. They, they knew what beignet tasted like, but they also realized there was a health benefit from moving from one cooking method like frying to uh, baking or roasting. 
that change the health profile of the food without compromising the flavor. We also made a butternut squash soup with ginger. All these native local ingredients were included with the butternut squash soup with allspice and ginger and roasting the butternut squash so that it was just had a certain sense of sweetness. They didn't know it was a vegan soup, but yet it was. But it was so good and savory. Uh, all the kids trying the squash, squash soup, the butternut squash soup, some of them for the first time, and they really, really loved it. And then lastly, we made a roasted vegetable wrap. And this was taking local vegetables and produce, and we roasted them um, and seasoned them very, very well. And we rolled them up into a low-carb um, wrap. And there was no processed meat. There was no meat at all. And yet no one noticed. It tasted that good. So the process of starting with something familiar and then moving people to the unfamiliar is why the program worked so well. Chef, I'm super excited. I could see this working at my house. I love that at the end of the program, everyone sat together and broke bread, especially eating what was cooked in the kitchen. My husband is from Mexico and there's some cultural dishes we love that could easily be adapted into healthier options. Like, turning Taco Tuesday into salad Taco Tuesday. Although, my kids would probably kill me. Well, remember what I said before, Yamila. We have to eat an elephant one bite at a time. So, maybe removing the cheese one Taco Tuesday and then the sour cream the other week later? It doesn't all have to happen at once and you can still get to your desired goal. But you're right. The main thing about the program is getting people back together at the dinner table. This allows everyone in the family to connect, realizing that eating is an expression of dignity, self-respect, empowerment, and self-actualization. This is something all humans deserve. And I think access to a healthy diet is the first step to healing and racial equity within all communities. Wow. Thanks for sharing your story. You're welcome. I just want to add that none of this would have been accomplished without NNLM support. With the funding that we obtained from this grant, we've made this Mindful Eating for the Beloved community into a strong and robust curriculum and syllabus that now is a model for other communities to follow. A model that can be replicated even on the Virgin Islands and the university for years to come. What's your advice to someone out there that may have a grant idea that would work well with the NNLM? Well, the first recommendation I would have is contact your local office. You know, I knew of nothing about National Library of Medicine before this journey. And I have to tell you, they made everything so easy. It allowed me to really focus on the program and the actions needed instead of the paperwork around the funding that we were applying for. You know, this bogs down so many of the small and medium nonprofits throughout the country. And it's all about getting the work done as soon as possible, knowing that the house is on fire. Great advice, Chef. We've also made a video of this story where you can see the mindful meal being sourced, prepared, and served in the USBI. And you'll also get to see Chef Alex in action. Look in the show's description for a link to YouTube. NNLM offers many funding opportunities for projects 
that improve access to health information. Contact your local regional rep or search for grants that are available now at nnlm.gov forward slash funding. This is NNLM Discovery. Thank you for listening.